On this episode, I'm in the room with AVP volleyball player Jeff Samuels. Hey friends, welcome to In The Room, episode number 81. I am your host, Ryan Hughley, and for those of you joining me for the first time, I'm the founding and lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the author of Eight Hours or Less, writing Faithful Sermons Faster. Today I'm talking with my friend and AVP volleyball player, Jeff Samuels. Jeff has had a fascinating career in sports. For one thing, he seems to have both played and excelled at virtually every sport he's ever attempted. But what I find most interesting about him as an athlete is not so much how many sports he's played, but which ones he's gravitated toward most. Jeff has invested most of his athletic ability in sports that honestly most black men just don't. Anyone familiar with ice hockey, lacrosse, and beach volleyball would tell you that they are sports marked by far more white athletes than black. And so how is it that a young black athlete from Michigan, far from the beaches of Southern California and Florida, ends up playing professionally in the premier beach volleyball league in America? Well, that's what Jeff and I are discussing today. We also talk about the inner fortitude necessary to push through failure. We talk about overcoming racism in the context of sports and how to best steward any platform that God's given you for change. It was another engaging conversation for me, and I'm excited for you to listen in. So come in the room for my conversation with Jeff Samuels. As I was, I mean, I know you, but I also was doing some reading about you and about your background. And I think anybody that pokes around about you for more than like two seconds is going to see the extent to which sports has consumed your life since you were young. You've always been an athlete. And so I was thinking this morning, I was wondering, do you remember what your first experience with sports was and, and like what sport that was and what that, how old were you? What was that experience? Uh... My first experience with sports was probably t-ball, playing yeah. baseball as a kid, yeah, um, out in Michigan. Um, I grew up with basically my mom. My dad's in my life, but I lived yeah. with my mom. My parents were divorced when I was young, Yeah. and my mom, you know, got me into sports pretty early. Yeah. Um, my, my sisters played sports, volleyball, and field hockey and stuff, so... Um, I, I kind of grew up around it. My dad played volleyball. My mom didn't really play very many sports, but, uh, she, she got me into sports pretty early. Um, and I've always been like an athletic, uh, kid, but, um, I guess when I first started playing sports, I just kind of wanted to be around other kids and have fun and kind of like, yeah. kind of like the little goofball. But, um, uh, my first experience was probably T-ball. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was my, mine was definitely baseball. My grandpa played uh, for San Diego state and then ended up playing uh, minor league for the Red Sox. But I, I think I was, he always told this story oh, yeah. when I was like three, four years old. You remember those old, like the wiffle ball, but the red one that had like the big fat head, the plastic bats. You remember yeah. those? Uh-huh. Yeah. He took me out back with one of those. He had brought one home and he just held out his arm and, and told me to just like, just hit my arm over and over again. And I'd quit. Uh-huh. And like, two, three seconds. And I like beat his arm to a bloody stump. And, uh, <laughs> and I think that's when they decided that that sports was going to be in the future for me. But my, I, my first memory is T-ball as well. Yeah. 
it yeah. was like, I still think it might be one of the greatest sports experiences of my life was playing <laughs> T-ball. Yep. But my, mine, mine was super fan. So it sounds like you, you were very family influenced by sports as well. Like everybody with the exception of your mom, everybody did something. Yeah. My, um, my uncles and cousins would take me actually, even before T-ball would take me out in the, you know, out in the yard and play catch baseball and, uh, with a football every once in a while and that yeah. sort of stuff. So my family, my grandma loved sports, uh, big influence in my life. And she like, I just remember watching the Pistons back in the day oh, when yeah. the bad boys were yeah. uh, kind of at the end of their run. Uh, and I don't remember too much. I just remember my grandma just uh, every time there was a big play or something, she loved Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars. Yeah. And she'd literally jump up out of her seat like <laughs> when they were doing and like do these like little dances and stuff when they it's would amazing. Uh, when they would uh, do something really cool. So um, sports always was, even before I learned how to play anything, was always a pretty big part of my life, you know, yeah. watching with my family, watching, you know, the Pistons or the Tigers or whatever it may yeah. be. Yeah. My, my parents got divorced and I was young as well. And then uh, my mom remarried. Um, but were, were your parents were divorced, but was your dad always in your life or did he come back into your life when you were later on in, in years? No, my dad's always been in my life. He's kind of a workaholic type guy. So yeah. I didn't see him as much as I'd like to growing up. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I thought, you know, I would see my dad more, but you know, the, the, his work ethic really provided uh, a lot for me as a kid. Um, and, you know, I can't really, can't really complain about that because uh, I wouldn't really be, you know, where I am without him. Sure. Um, and he's always been, been a big part of my life. I, I, I got to see him as, as much as, as much as he could. And, you yeah. know, as much as, as much as I really needed to, you know, it really wasn't, um, he's always kind of been a, a, a strong force in my life. And, yeah. You know, whenever, whenever I was acting up as a kid, my mom would always put my dad on the phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just listening to his voice would always make me straight. That's right. He never really yeah. had to, never really had to do much. So it yeah. was, uh, it was good to be around my mom all the time and, and have her, uh, kind of taking care of the day-to-day -day stuff. And, and, uh, my dad just being that behind the scenes, you know, force yeah. in my life, just, uh, having him around. So, so if your mom was not the big athletic force in your life, when you think about your relationship with her, what are some of the things that you really feel like either she or your grandmother really imprinted on you that have informed the man you've become? Yeah. Um, my mom is a very, um, spiritual philosophical type, uh, okay. woman. She, yeah. She, um, I was always in the church growing up with my mom. Um, and she always, you know, taught me to, to kind of do things the right way. And, uh, even though she never really played sports, she could apply, uh, the things she's learned in her life to sports. And, yeah. you know, I'd look at her and be like, mom, what, what do you know about hockey? Right. What do you know? What do you know about lacrosse? And, yeah. you know, I would kind of write that off, but now, uh, being an adult, being grown, I, I look back on some of the stuff she, she, uh, told me and I'm like, yeah. dang, you know what, if I would have did what, <laughs> what mom yeah. said or like, you know, she, she's a, she was pretty much right. And my grandma was the, uh, my grandma was the same way. My grandma, she didn't really have, uh, uh, strong education growing up, but she always had these life lessons and life sayings that I, I at the time, you know, I never really understood. Yeah. Uh, one of them, one of them was son, don't practice, don't practice that. And it, it may mm -hmm. be, you know, I, I may get angry about 
something small or something I, right. you know, a bad attitude. And she'd be like, don't practice that. And I'd be like, what does that mean? I'm not practicing anything. Yeah. It, you know, it, this just really made me upset or something. And uh, now growing up, uh, you know, being 30, I, you know, look back and I'm like, you know what, now I understand everything that I do is something that I'm practicing. Um, it's good. And yeah, so she, uh, my grandma was huge, huge, huge in my life. Still probably my most inspirational, um, most motivational factor in my life growing up. Uh, my that. mom worked, my mom worked a lot. So okay. I spent a lot of time with my grandma. Yeah. Uh, she picked, picked me up from school, take me to school. Um, and you know, like I said, didn't really have that much of an education, but she is a very, was a very intelligent uh, person. And, uh, my mom and grandma really, really, I, I owe a lot of my, um, a, a lot of my, you know, basic things that I do in my life, uh, yeah. the way I act around people and the way I, the way I treat people, uh, yeah. I really so get then, that from my mom, my mom and my grandma. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And you guys, you grew up in Michigan. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, so I was born in Detroit okay. and I grew up in the Detroit area until about fifth grade. Okay. Um, and when I was, uh, I bring this up kind of a lot because it was such a drastic change for me in the fifth grade. I moved to, uh, the greater Flint area. Yeah. Um, but when I was in Detroit, it was a pretty well mixed, pretty diverse place. Okay. Um, where you, you know, there's a strong, uh, uh, Indian Chaldean, uh, yeah. presence in, the Detroit area and I moved yep. to the Flint area, um, which, uh, the school and the district I moved to was mostly white. So, okay. um, I moved into the suburbs and didn't yeah. really know anyone or any of the kids. And I was pretty much one of the only black kids to go to my school. Um, so it was quite a, quite a drastic change for me, but I spent, uh, from around fifth grade until college, uh, in Grand Blank, which okay. is, uh, right on the outskirts of Flint. It's, uh, okay. they, they kind of, butt they butt up to each other. So, okay. and that's where I am. That's where I am right now visiting my family. The Flint awesome. area. That's great, man. I mean, what, what was that when you think back on, so fifth grade, I'm trying to think where I was, you know, my dad was in the military and so uh -huh. we moved all the time and, and I moved at that same year and that was rough. <laughs> And I don't think it was probably nearly as drastic as, as what you're even describing. So just when you think back on what that was like, you know, being in fifth grade and moving into such a new environment and new culture emotionally, what was that like for you? Um, <clears throat> I would say it was one of the most important things um, that happened to me because yeah. uh, I grew up in an environment where um, I guess you would say it wasn't always, it wasn't always safe. We weren't, we weren't poor. We weren't in the hood or anything yeah. like that, but um, it, 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 you know, there are areas in Detroit and things that you, that you hear about and see that, yeah. um, that are different than when I moved to the suburbs. Um, yeah. And so I really didn't know how to, I really didn't know how to, I guess, act when I moved um, to Grand Blank or the Flint area not in a sense that I was, you know, a troublemaker or anything like that. But uh, when you're different and you move to a place where everyone is just different than you are, yeah. you have this preconceived notion that um, everyone doesn't 
or won't treat you uh, the way you want to be treated. Right. right. Um, so I, I kind of go in, I kind of went into it with this, with this, well, these people aren't going to treat me the right way anyways. Right. So, a little bit of like a chip um, on your shoulder type thing. A chip or yeah. even just you build a wall between yeah. you and other people and they're going to yeah. treat you how you see yourself. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, although there is, there's racism and there's all these things where people don't treat each other right. Um, one of the things that I had to learn when I got a little bit older um, and still being in that environment where uh, I obviously I play volleyball. So that's right. a, a predominantly white um, sport. Um, I had to learn how to, how to put that wall down, you know, yeah. because um, I, I don't want to treat people like they're going to treat me like that before I meet them. Right. Because then they're yeah. going to look at me and be like, well, this guy's got an attitude or this yeah. guy, you know, what's this guy's problem. Uh, and what they don't understand or what they don't see is that, you know, when I first moved to Grand Blank, um, which was the predominantly white area that, you know, the neighbor kids tried to beat me up and they spray painted yeah. the N word on my house and all this stuff. So, um, you know, while, you know, there is a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, racism and that sort of stuff in the neighborhood that I, that I moved to. Yeah. Um, I kind of had to fall into that, into that groove of getting to know people, giving people a chance and, and making sure I don't, I don't treat everyone like they're yeah. going to treat me um, like I'm different or, you know, like I'm going to run into that racism. So um, it really helped me be able to um, uh, learn how to act in all situations, learn how to, uh, interact with all different types of people. And I'm so yeah. grateful for that. Totally. Um, so, you know, I could look at it on the negative and say, you know, well, my life was very right. hard, but the move that I made, uh, as a kid with my, with my mom to, to Grand Blank really, really helped mold and really helped, um, get me prepared for, for what I'm doing today. Do you feel like you just sort of figured that out as you went or were your mom and grandmother really intentional guides in helping you understand how to make that adjustment? I mean, if it were me, I just would have gone in pissed and I would have fought. <laughs> I, yeah. I know myself well, especially at that age, I would have gone in very defensive and I would have just like, like, fought my way through the whole thing but did you did did they were they would you remember intentional conversations where they were helping you begin to learn to think that way or is that just something that developed with you over time you know I, although my mom has done the best very best job and a great job yeah. uh, with with myself and my siblings um that's one of the things that i think <clears throat> that i think uh parents can do especially parents that are in like we're in my mom's situation a better yeah. job of um because we always had the talk of, you know, how to act when somebody is mistreating you. Right. Yeah. Or, or how to act when, you know, a police officer pulls me over or something yeah. like that. But that in, in my eyes, mm -hmm. um, although you need to have that talk, it almost instills like the opposite of what I feel like I want or what I would need, because you really need to give people a chance um, even though there are going to be some of those people who are going to, uh, are going to rub you the wrong way or, yeah. or are going to not like you anyways, but that's right. going to happen no matter what. And in any realm you go sure. to, um, yeah. that's going to, that's going to be a factor. Um, although my mom and grandma always treated everyone with respect and, um, she, she, they never wanted me to treat anyone, uh, any different than how. I wanted to be treated or how, you know, how they wanted to be treated or anything right. like that. So, 
Um, they, they led by example, but I think um, that's one of the huge talks that um, not only the talk about, you know, hey, you, you got to act a certain way when you get pulled over. You got to act a certain way, which is sad to say, around right. um, a predominantly white uh, school or something like that. You need to, you need to, you need to make sure that you um, are really taking care of yourself and know your surroundings and that sort of stuff, but also have the talk of, Hey, you know, and there are some really good people here. There are some people that, you know, you're going to have to give a, a chance and get to know and don't, you know, don't write everyone off because there are some bad apples. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, because you don't want to go into it with a defensive mindset because then everyone is going to kind of be uh, somebody who is going to be on the, uh, you know, the other side of that wall yeah. that you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, you're going to, it's good to have friends, you know, sure. it's good to get along with people and, you know, influence people and, you know, have, have good relationships with other people. So right. I see a lot of, of um, the black community where they'll already go into a situation with the preconceived notion that somebody is going to treat them with disrespect. Okay. Um, and so they have that chip on their shoulder before they meet someone. Right. When, right. Uh, now I know I've met so many people from all different walks of life that I, you know, you know, I might meet a millionaire where I assume he's going to be this really mean person and he's going to yeah. all be about money, but he's actually really down to earth, right. uh, nice, you know, intelligent, you know, loving, caring human. So, right. um, it, it really, my experiences have taught me to treat everybody the same. Um, but, uh, I, I can't really say that I had that sort of talk with, yeah. with my mom. It was more of the, um, well, son, you know, you're, you're the only African American that's in the school. So you're going right. to have to make Here's sure it's you gonna go. work hard. This is what's going to happen. And those yep. things did happen. And I'm glad we had that talk, yeah. but there's that talk on the other side of the fence that you need to have too, where it's like, but you know, everyone's not going to be like that. Right. You need to give everyone a chance, you know? So yeah. I think that's a, that's a talk that people need to have. And then that could nip a, a lot of things in the butt where, yeah. uh, you know, maybe, maybe you can even change other people's perspective on sure. uh, how they view black people. You know what I'm saying? Cause some of yeah. the people I, I went to school, I mean, I'm not kidding. Yeah. When I was in elementary school, a kid looked at my hand and he goes, wow, your hand is white on the inside. Like mine, like, cause he'd never really been that close to a, a black wow. person before. So he really didn't, he really didn't, uh, he didn't really know, you know? So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much the the experience I had and how I uh, how I grew into being able to interact with people from yeah from anywhere and everywhere. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I think I had a similar experience as that little kid that said that to you. My grandma told me a story. She had me on the train one time in Oregon, and uh, there was a black guy on the train. That, this must have just been like humiliating for her because I walked up to him and I asked if he played backy ball. <laughs> and that, that apparently was like my only category for yeah. And this this guy must play basketball. So exactly. Yeah. Apparently, I've been I've been trying to work work through that since I was very very young. <laughs> I get that same question all the time. Actually. Oh, I'm it's, sure you uh, do. I'll wear a shirt. It'll say like when I it'll say volleyball on it right yeah. here, and a yeah. lady a lady will be like, "Yeah, so uh, what team do you play for?" And I'm like, right. "No, it's it says volleyball." And she's like, "No, yeah, but you play." Like you play basketball though, right? And I'm yeah. Like, no. Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> I think that is, it's a great point you're making. I mean, I, I think regardless of 
the context, it is important, the, like the way that we think and the expectations that we carry, because what I hear you describing is the possibility of being this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy everywhere you go. And if you're expecting opposition, if you're expecting, I think it's, it's unfortunately, to your point, we live in a day where you know, you have to be wise about the way that you carry yourself and you have to be aware, but it's got to be a challenging uh, line to walk, to not project that, not expect that all of the time, to give the benefit of the doubt and to be, you know, it's, it's prudent to know that these things happen and be wise about yeah. that. So it's, uh, yeah. <clears throat> even when I started playing volleyball, uh, it's been about 10 years, but professionally yeah. I'd say six years or so. Uh, I've made a lot of, don't get me wrong. I, yeah. I've made a lot of great friends and, yeah. you know, I love a lot of the volleyball community and people that I've met from all over. Um, but especially with a lot of the players, um, um, I, I put up that wall, you know, it's, so yeah. there's like levels to it, you know, when yeah. I was in high school and college. And then when I got to the pros, there was like yeah. this new level of, um, of, of a wall that I have to kind of break down in my mind, yeah. um, of how to give people that that chance and yeah. unfortunately when i started that wall that wall was up and yeah. uh you know a lot of people were like well this guy's angry or this guy has yeah. a chip on his shoulder and it's like yeah. well dude i got these people beating yeah. me up on a daily basis right. you know so it's kind of hard not to not to go into it with that chip on your shoulder but uh you, you got it, what it comes down to is 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 staying true to um, the values, you know, that your, that your family and that you're like my, like my grandma and my mother yeah. kind of instilled in me and to, to treat everyone with respect. I never, I never went into it just disrespecting someone, yeah. but there was always that kind of, you know, meeting someone is like, mm -hmm. is this guy going to treat me right? right. You know? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah. And you know, you can't, can't go uh, through life, uh, yeah. fearful of stuff yeah. like that. You know, yeah. it's, it's not, it won't be to your benefit and people are going to perceive you as, as someone who has an attitude or someone who, who, um, you know, really doesn't want to get along with other people when in actuality, I, re I really do. They just, it's just that they didn't, you know, they didn't go through what I had to right. go through. And so right. they don't see that from my perspective. Uh, and it, it is a kind of a tough, uh, conundrum, but it is, you yeah. know, it, uh, I would say it was all for the good and all for the better because yeah. I can, pass that along to my totally. kid, you know, to yeah. my son someday. So well, I definitely, yeah. I want to come back to the volleyball thing in just a second. Mm -hmm. Cause there's obviously like, that's your main thing now. And I was going to ask you, what sports did you play growing up? And I actually think it might be a shorter answer for you to tell me, are there any sports you did not play growing up or did you pretty much right. play everything? Uh, I didn't play soccer. Okay. That was one that I, I think I like, um, that I wish I would have played a little bit, even if it was just for fun, a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I got a huge respect for soccer players just because of the footwork and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, I played pretty much everything. It started out with a little bit of baseball and then I got, I quickly got into hockey. Um, I had some cousins that kind of played a little bit of hockey. So, uh, I, my first experience was that as I, uh, I saw some kids kind of playing in my neighborhood and I knew my cousins played. So I was like, yeah. I want to play hockey too. Yeah. And I, I, uh, got this broomstick. Yep. Got an old, uh, into a hockey as a blade, uh, yep. stuck it on the broomstick, taped it around, yeah. found an old can of snuff with nothing in it and started messing around in the backyard. Like I'm playing hockey. I tried to play with the kids in the neighborhood and they're like, black people do not play hockey. <laughs> so, so, uh, they wouldn't let me play. And funny experience was, uh, and we talk about those experiences yeah. where people kind of 
exclude you. Yep. Um, my sister tried to fight all the kids in the neighborhood uh, because they wouldn't let me play hockey. And really? uh, yeah, she and she's just this little, you know, little girl. And yeah, I was probably I was probably 10 or so. And okay. you know, she was may- maybe like 13 or something. And, uh, you know, these kids who were 13 to 15 were terrified of my sister because they wouldn't Amazing. let me play hockey. So uh, that was the, you know, the kind of the first experience with that. And uh, I played hockey until I was, uh, until I started playing volleyball, pretty much. I played lacrosse yeah. in college um, and all the other sports, you know, football and basketball. Yeah. I played just whenever I could just to mess around. But the, uh, the primary sports in my life were uh, hockey. A lot yeah. of it. I probably played more hockey than I have any, any sport. Uh, okay. And then. I found lacrosse when I was in high school and ended up yep. uh, getting a better scholarship offer for lacrosse than I did for hockey. So I chose that um, and then found, found volleyball when I was, uh, when I was in college, just kind of messed around for a little bit and yeah. then figured out that I could play it a lot longer and uh, be on the beach. <laughs> so yeah. Um, what, what is, really I mean, what did having this, like you were playing on this wide spectrum, what, what was the turning point for you or what were the, some of the key points that led you to make a real conscious decision. Um, Cause it sounds like, I mean, there were a number of opportunities that you had sports wise to focus on. What was it exactly that made you lean toward volleyball? Cause it seems like kind of an unlikely decision in some ways. So what was it that informed your desire to really focus your attention there? It was more of a feeling. I never really, I never really, I, I, um, it was more of one of those gut feelings where I really liked the environment. Um, I really liked the people, you know, I, I talk about that wall that I had, had up when I started playing professional volleyball, but it was way uh, less uh, of a factor than it was in hockey because in hockey, I literally had coaches say, uh, you know, I'm not going to have a black goalie. When I tried out for these, um, for these uh, travel teams when I was a kid or, um, uh, and, and it's a very physical, it's yeah. a very, uh, you know, and, and there's always kind of like this target on me. So in volleyball, I figured out, Hey, I can do my thing and no one can touch me. Like no mm. one can knock me over. No one right. can, you know? And, um, and so it was more of a, a, I really don't know, to be honest with you, what made me make that decision. Um, other than I really liked the environment. I, I, I don't know if I consciously thought about it, but I knew that there would be more longevity in volleyball than there would be in, in hockey or lacrosse for me. And to be honest with you, I feel like I was a little burnt out on, on hockey and lacrosse, just the whole atmosphere for me was just, it's, I, um, hockey's still one of those sports where to me needs a lot of work as far as the, um, uh, inclusive, inclusive mm-hmm. environment goes yeah. because it's not very inclusive. Even if I go back to play t- today, uh, just in a, a league around Flint or whatever in Michigan, it, you know, I would, I would probably feel more uncomfortable than I would, yeah. uh, play, playing volleyball. The volleyball community is a great community. It's, yeah. you know, you, it, it, um, I wouldn't say it's more diverse, um, beach volleyball than than hockey yeah. it's probably around the same yeah. but the community is completely different the interesting uh, like the culture of s- the community is different yeah. yeah yeah i was gonna say rhetoric but yeah you're yeah. right culture the culture yeah. of the community is 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 different yeah, yeah. so and that kind of appealed to me um just it's a lot more lighthearted and and just uh, a fun environment so 
uh, that, that really appealed to me and the people that you met. And then, you know, back then I was young. So it was like, Oh, there's girls. So, you know, totally. the girls, girls yeah. play volleyball. So that yeah. probably had something to do with it yeah. too. That informed yeah. the vast majority of my decisions from about the age of 10 <laughs> until 25. So yeah. I completely understand that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious about, you've mentioned this wall a couple times and how you've had to be intentional about removing that even on your end to, to build relationship with people. Is there any, is there any way that you like, how do you think consciously about that? Like how have you actually practically, if someone can relate to what it is that you're describing a feeling like, no, I go in to these environments and I have a wall up to protect myself. And you've had that, you've experienced that and you've chosen to, through time and intention, remove that wall in order to be able to build genuine relationship with people. What is that required of you to be able to do that? Uh, to kind of take a step back um, from, to look from like an outside perspective and to kind of see yourself, you know, um, because it wasn't like I went, in, went into it even knowing that I had that, that yeah. wall, you know, cause right. I, I didn't, I, I had no clue. Um, it even took, um, hearing some things about myself, you know, from other people where, okay. you know, I would be in a situation and, uh, the situation looked a certain way to me, but then I'd hear the story about my situation from an outside perspective and think, dang, I, I see how that could be taken the wrong way. Yeah. Right. I see how, I see how, um, maybe my reaction was a little bit unwarranted, even though I may not have been treated the right way all the time. Right. Yeah. So, um, and I, I'm a huge believer in whatever you bring your attention to, you put your attention on, yeah. on something, you give your energy to something you're, you're, you know, you're telling God, you're telling the world that you want, <clears throat> you want more of that, more yeah. of that to come to you. Yeah. Um, and so having that wall up or having even like you, I like to think about things before I go into them and think about how the situation is going to go. Yeah. And if I have um, these ideas that like, uh, you know, this situation could go like this and then I'll have to rebuttal and say that, mm -hmm. you know, come back, come up with this comeback or something like that. Like those situations right. I'm going over in my head, like replaying in my head a potential bad situation that means that I have a little bit of a fear about what, about what I'm, you know, going into. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't want to have those fears. I don't want to have, I don't want, I don't want those kinds of situations. I'm a very non-confrontational type of person. Mm -hmm. um, but even though in your mind, you're thinking about, you know, hypothetically, if this cop pulls me over right now, yeah. you know, he's going to ask me these questions and then I'm going to have to say and defend right. myself and do all these things. Like I'm, 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 playing these scenarios in my head before yeah. I even get there. Right. And right. so that means like, I'm going to have a, you know, preconceived thought of how these things are going to go. And I don't, yeah. you know, I, now I don't really have those as much. I've stopped yeah. that inner conversation of having That's to good. always think of a way to defend myself before I even get to the situation. Right. Right. So um, I don't really want to, want to, I don't want to think like that. I don't want to, you know, have that worry on my mind. Yeah. Um, and so those are some of the things like, like I say, taking a step outside of myself yeah. and thinking about the situation, um, 
in, in a good way. So now I actually practice uh, thinking about things before I go there mm-hmm. um, about how I want these things to go and how yeah. I want to be treated mm-hmm. um, instead of the opposite where, yeah. um, you know, thinking, well, I'm going to this all white neighborhood or I'm going to this all white school to go do this. And I think these people right. are going to treat me like this. So right. I'm going to have to act like this. Right. 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 Um, so now I'm just kind of like, I, what do I want out of the situation? How do I want the situation to actually go? Right. So, um, it's, it's, it's worked wonders in my life and, um, it's taken away a lot of anxiety and those sort of things. And I think that's, I think that's a huge talk that, you know, like I said, like, uh, parents, especially in the black community could have with their kids, you know, um, just about not being fearful of, being in a different environment or different situation um, before you even get there. Because if you put that wall up, you're, you're not able to really express yourself and people get to know the real you because you have that guard up and the guard is so strong, you know, because you, you want to feel protected and you want to feel safe, but uh, you're safest being yourself. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, man. The the amount of emotional work you're describing having to do as well and in, in nailing down, and this is something I've been trying to really grow in over the course of the last year, especially is, is taking the time and having the intention when I'm to take stock of what I'm feeling going into a mm-hmm. situation or in any given moment and asking myself, what do I feel? And, uh, and why do I feel that? And it's interesting, yeah. the more you really get to the bottom of that, the healthier of a place you actually get to. And so it's a combination mm-hmm. of like heart and mind. And I, I do think I was reading an, uh, an interview this morning that you did a ways back. And you were talking about some of the setbacks you've experienced. And I mean, everything has not been clearly just listening to your story today. Life has not been easy. Even your sports career has not been just like one steady stream of success after success. There's been setbacks and difficulties. And so I was wondering how you've gone about developing the inner fortitude necessary to push through failures or, you you know, you got injured last year pushing through in because there's a lot of people that the moment they experience opposition, the, the moment that they experience failure, it's fatal to them. It destroys them. So I think that's one thing that athletes, if you're going to go the long haul, athletes have to be good at. And so how, how, do, you, how do you think about what do you do mind-wise when you experience setback or failure or injury? How do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's sad to say, but it's like, uh, I've gone through so many failures in my life, right? That, yeah. um, I know that a lot of these failures have opened up new doors for me. Hmm. Um, and if I'm in the receiving mode to, uh, catch it, I can see these doors opening instead of dwelling on my, uh, my downfalls. Right. So it's yeah. all a, a lesson, uh, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't lose, you, you just, you just, you know, you learn lessons and yeah. try to figure yeah. out new ways to do things. Just like <clears throat> being injured last year. Um, I had gone through a period right before the time I got injured of a series of bad tournaments. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you don't play well, you don't perform well, you don't make very much money playing volleyball. So, yeah. um, uh, one of the doors that ended up opening up for me was a, a very cool job opportunity, um, where I'm a spokesperson for a company and I, and, and that those doors wouldn't have opened for me hmm. had I not 
gotten injured right and so right. i could have took my injury as oh man oh crap you know you know this is all over and blah blah but what it actually did for me was it gave me uh, a chance to step back again and then some opportunities started coming to me. i i didn't even seek out this opportunity it came yeah. to me at the right time um and had i not uh, been in the situation I was in being injured, I would have been like, nah, I got volleyball going on. We got right. a tournament. I can't do, I can't do this. But what it actually did for me is now I have an off season gig to make extra money. Yeah. Um, and had I not been in the right situation or the right mindset to catch that, yeah. um, I, it would have been an opportunity lost. So I always have to look at these things as, okay. Um, God is putting me, he's setting me up for mm -hmm. something. What's my next What's yeah. my next move? This thing didn't work out over here, but you know, I, I got to figure out what that next thing that's coming to me and be able to be in a position to be ready to capitalize off it. So yeah. it, 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 um, that's, I haven't always thought that way, but I mean, um, probably from around the time I started playing volleyball, I started really getting into that sort of, uh, that, that kind of thought yeah. uh, process heavily. Yeah. And, um, it's really helped me out because, uh, I mean, like I said, you're, you're, like you said, you're right. There's a lot of people who, as soon as life hits them, hits them hard, you know, they're, they're, you know, they feel like life is over. And right. I've, I've been able to kind of pass that along to my family as well. Yeah. Um, you know, when things don't go your way, hurry up, get in that receiving mode because yeah. there's, there's an opportunity that is going to come right. because of the downfall. So yeah. Um, it hasn't always been that way, like I said, but yeah. it, you know, it's, um, it's something that I've learned to do over time yeah. and still, and still working on man and yeah. still working on every day. Yeah. Expectations are a weird thing. Cause I, I think that that's what informs so much of this is we have expectations about whether it is a tournament or it is a job or it's a relationship yeah. or it's whatever. We have an expectation of how that's going to go. If that expectation is not meant, then we have to do something with that. And I think one thing that I appreciate about what you're saying is that you have to really hold those expectations in an open hand and, and realize that even when they are unmet, that there is another opportunity whatever, it doesn't even matter what sphere we're talking in, but if you're so married to the expectation has to be fulfilled and then it's not, that's just a recipe for despair in your yeah. life because there's so many expectations that go unmet. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Uh, this guy, um, Alan Watts is one of my favorite. He's like a, um, I guess he's like a philosopher or something, okay. but he, he has this term that you have to be comfortable with the flip flop ability of life because life mm. is going to flip flop I like that. all the time. Yeah. And if you were able to deal with those changing and be able to adapt, yep. um, life is going to be a lot easier for you because that time that you take to dwell yep. on a situation that didn't go your way, you're missing out on opportunities. Yeah. Um, and you're only asking for life to give you more of the same type of downfalls. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. It's Good. huge to be able to, um, be adaptable, um, even in mid game, you yeah, know, in the sure. middle of my game, if it's not going right. And you had that certain view, like what you're saying, you had that yeah. certain view of how it's supposed to go. And then when it doesn't go like that, yep. if you're not able to come in with a plan B or plan C, or even just take a step back and say, okay, that isn't working. I don't right. know what I'm going to do, right. but let's see something else. Something yeah. else can happen here and see that if you can't do that, then um, it's going to be very tough for you, especially if you're 
if your mind is on the past of what happened. Right. So if I took those, those tournaments that I didn't do very well in and just said, you know, Oh man, the last tournament was so bad. And I keep thinking about that. How am I going to grow? I did uh, I'm not in the receiving mode, as I like right. to say. Yeah, no, I like that. I want to. I was, what's what's training looking like for you right now? I mean, we're in COVID. I know you guys are not doing the the uh, tour the same way that you usually do. I I gotta know honestly because this morning I saw a video of you doing a 58 inch and a half box jump that was like blew my yeah. mind. So <laughs> how do I how do I learn to do a 58 inch box jump <laughs> as an almost was- 40 year old man? Yeah, that was pretty funny because I didn't know I could do a 58 and a half inch box jump either. But uh, they, uh, you know, those, uh, those massage guns, you know? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got one. Have, uh, yeah. So I was at a uh, convention with, uh, for one of my sponsors. And okay. We were, uh, they were like, hey, we're doing a box jump competition. Would you want to join in it? You yeah. know, and I'm really supposed to be kind of working. And yeah. I'm like, nah, I got, you know, I'm busy. I got things to do. My hip hurts. I'm, I'm good yeah. on that. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, you can win a, f- a free Theragun. And I go, yeah. oh, oh, <laughs> like, oh, you can. can you? Yeah. Well, it just so happens I jump sometimes. <laughs> so uh, I didn't know, but the competition was all day. And it was yeah. actually uh, satellites throughout the world oh, okay. for the whole day through this company. And whoever got the highest standing box jump wins this Theragun. Yeah. And it lasted from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. So you would check the app. You would yep. check back at the, the booth where the, they were having the competition and see, you know, what the highest one was. And so yep. I'd go and I'd beat the next one. And then I'd go back working with my, my, uh, yep. my company. I'd go back work and then come back and check on it. And somebody else beat it. So then I'd go have to do it again. And so right. I probably did. I probably did 40 jumps that oh, day man. trying, trying to win that thing. And yeah. 10 alone, 10 alone on the 58 and a half, yeah. it got to a point where they ran out of box. So yeah. they started stacking, uh, um, uh, uh, the, the plates, they started yep. stacking the, um, plates underneath the box to make yep. it higher. And, uh, the last one, me and this guy were going back and forth, back and forth. And, uh, finally I got that. And he's like, I'm not even trying that because I could barely get the last one. So uh, I ended up winning it, but I had never, I don't really do box jumps very often. And if I did, it would be a lot lower of a level. So I ended up figuring out that 62 or something 64 or something like that's the yeah. world record is it really and yeah for standing box jumps. okay and it, might, it could be different now because this was four or five years ago but um it could be different now but i was like man maybe i should you gotta try to you get got a Guinness chance at that record. that's right yeah but uh then uh, then some you know people got on there and i'm like well that's just like a party trick <laughs> because uh <laughs> box jumps really the high ones really don't help you in any sort of way working out it's just kind of like a how how much can you flip your hips up right right to be able to get your you know it's not it really really doesn't uh compute to you know dunking a basketball or jumping and hitting a volleyball but it does it looks awesome on instagram i have to it looks really cool it looks really cool cool and people love it yeah so what kind of what kind of training are you doing right now do you do you lift throughout the week or you do more uh cardio type stuff or what, what tends to be your main, your daily regimen? Yeah. Right now I'm doing a lot of mobility stuff uh, because uh, right before my injury, I was trying to lift very heavy because that's what I see a lot of guys in my sport doing. They're lifting deadlifts, squats, all this stuff. 
And um, while those sort of things are very beneficial to you, yeah. um, some people don't need that really heavy weight, right? Because yeah. I'm already my uh, build and I'm already a very athletic, explosive type of person. Yep. Um, so for me, staying flexible um, and, and having a lot of mobility is huge for me. So I'm working more in the resistance band area okay. and um, I'm doing movement training, which okay. is just basically um, movement training is more so um, like being able to use my body uh, and my body weight for a lot of exercises yep. and and being very flexible. So like being on all fours and kind of walking like a cat or yep. bringing my, my hip up to the front of my shoulder when I walk or yep. uh, on all fours or being able to do like a handstand and stuff like that. Um, and I, uh, it's honestly, it's worked wonders for me recently. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more functional um, movement than a lot more, functional. a lot of powerlifting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think that's, I've never been hurt in my life. I've never had to take time really? off of a sport. Never, never wow. even lacrosse and hockey. I've never pulled a muscle. I've never, I, I broke my ankle one time and in, yeah. in, in high school and I cut my cast off so that I could play in the playoffs. Okay. And I would slide the cast back on when my mom got home <laughs> oh my so gosh. that she didn't know that I cut it off. Right. And so I've never really been one to like not play, but this, yeah. um, I had a nerve injury, uh, a nerve in my neck coming okay. into my neck down to my shoulder and everything last year. And it kind of really put me out. The nerve pain is something I never really, it's scary. It kind of makes you feel weird. It gives you anxiety. It, yep. Yes. I didn't want to mess with that stuff at all. So yeah. I just stopped doing everything. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I had to take a new approach to how I, how I train and I probably will get back to lifting a little bit more heavily, but never trying to do anything like I was doing before. And yeah. it kind of, it kind of came from listening to some people that, you know, that may work for them. Right. But that's it doesn't uh, for, for you. me. No, no, you want to, I want to just be, I want to be more flexible and yeah. keep that. Cause in volleyball, you know, you'd think you'd need to be really strong, but uh, the more wiry, fast twitch, flexible yep. um, type of body is, is, uh, is huge for my sport. Yeah. Um, and you do, you do need to be strong. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I do lift, uh, but I, I'm going more on the lighter side, doing yeah. more like half my max, half my, yeah half my reps, half the reps. So if I could lift, you know, if I could hypothetically squat, you know, 250 or 200, I want to yeah. do a hundred. And if I could do 20 reps, I want to do 10 reps, Got it. Um, you know, and that'll continue to grow. Um, but I, I, I don't really want to max out very, yeah. very often, very yeah. little, because then makes sense. I can work out every day. Yeah. Um, but if I try to max out, I got to take one or two days off and I feel sore and all this stuff. And right. who's getting more reps at the end of a year. If I can work out every day. Yep. That's good. I'm getting more practice. So yep. that's the new approach that I'm taking and my mind likes it. My body likes it. Yep. Uh, I feel better being able to work out every day and I'm doing, I do ladders. I do, uh, like, uh, uh, there's, I just started doing this parachute sprints. Yeah. Sprints I saw with that. A parachute. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, so those sort of things are kind of working out for me right now and we'll see how they equate hopefully when I, uh, when we get back next season. Um, but right now it seems to, seems to be doing good. 
Good, man. Glad to hear that. Well, I, I want to end uh, talking a little bit more about some of the racial climate that we're in right now. Uh, specifically, yeah. I mean, as both a black man and an athlete, I'm curious to hear your thoughts and feelings on so much of what's happening racially right now. And, and I wonder, you know, I've heard a lot of athletes talk about, and I've even experienced this to a degree in my own life, but what a, an equalizing medium sports can be because it, it is not just about like what color your skin is. It ultimately comes down to like, can you play and can you win? But I wonder, I mean, especially being in Flint in a primarily white environment, it's, it's um, crazy to me also how frequently you have ended up in dominantly white sports as well. Like, I mean, hockey, lacrosse and volleyball, all of, all of which that I'm aware of, I, I don't see that as being like the most the place where you find the most black athletes playing as compared to other sports like basketball and football. So has it been an equalizing medium for you or have you consistently encountered a pretty fair share of racism, even within that? I would say less so in volleyball, but the other sports, uh, pretty heavily. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I guess I wouldn't even say that volleyball is less. It's just, it's a different environment. Yeah, And the people honestly are just a lot smarter in volleyball. Like the, the people that I meet are just a lot smarter. And so the way that they do things uh, aren't so blatant. It's okay. not so in your face. Got it. Um, so I are still you the, are you the it. only black it. guy in the AVP? There are some guys who are coming up who okay. uh, one or two in particular that okay. are good, but really haven't had the, uh, I guess success that I have. Yeah. Um, and then there was one other guy before me who was really good. His name's Dane Bland. I look at him as a, uh, he's one of my mentors. I, yep. you know, can call him and ask him anything I need to. Um, and he won a gold medal for the U S very good guy. Yeah. Very great player. Um, accomplished things I haven't yet. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, he grew up in the difference between him and I, is I, yep. I grew up in, in Flint which yep. yeah, my neighborhood was all white, yeah. but like right on the other side of the fence is chaos in yeah. Flint. So, yeah. um, and he grew up in the South Bay, which is, you know, Manhattan beach for most of beach right. or whatever it is, uh, out there. So it's a little bit different. He kind of grew up in that environment. So me coming from Michigan to go play over there, yeah. it's a little bit different of a, of a thing, but, uh, right now there are not very many, um, not, not very diverse in any, any, way shape or form for volleyball i'm trying i'm doing my best to work on that and change that um and and just make it more inclusive overall because i mean let's just say it's not even someone of color um but just a kid you know let's say it's a white kid or yeah let's just say it's you know whatever uh, an asian kid from from michigan or illinois or something that wants to play in the avp uh i want to make that possible for him um yeah. and make it not just a uh it's almost, it's, it's kind of a, uh, not only a, a color thing, but it's almost a class thing too. So, uh, I don't, I don't, that doesn't resonate with me very well. So, uh, I, I want to do my part to help that next person, uh, get their start, you know? So, yeah. Um, how, how yeah, do you, how do you think about how you use the platform that you've been given? Cause I, I, I would think I, one thing that has been, uh, and from my perspective, amazing about watching, especially as the NBA and the NFL have come back or the WNBA is the way that athletes are using their platforms 
to really speak out and raise awareness. And then you hear things like, you know, when LeBron James was told to shut up and dribble and there's this suppression of just play your sport and don't, don't lift your voice. And so I wonder how you think about the platform that you have about how do, how do you want to use that for good or to fight for justice in the world that you're in? Yeah. So one of the things that I am actually working on right now is putting together a nonprofit. And if there's anybody out there that is, uh, works heavily in this sort of, um, area, let me know, uh, reach yep. out to me if you can, but there, um, I'm trying to do these. I'm, I'm, I've already started doing free clinics for, um, for kids in the inner city. I went to Detroit and did one. I'm doing, this one is not free this weekend that I'm doing here in Flint, okay. but it's only, it's only 20 bucks a kid. Um, and, and it's kind of going toward the facility and all the stuff to, to make it possible. Um, so I I just want to make, uh, the sport more visible for, um, not only minorities, not only for people of color, but, uh, anyone in a disenfranchised, the excluded type of area. Um, I, I I want to do these, uh, clinics and these kind of like community, um, it's more of like a community picnic i want to yep. re i run a, i want to renovate courts yep around uh the country um and have a grand opening for these courts where i do a clinic with the kids and have them come out for a barbecue and all this sort of stuff it's basically what i'm doing this weekend here in flint okay um just just to get the just to get the uh, get it out there a little bit more and uh it, when i first started it was more so of like kind of trying to build my own brand in yeah. a way where I could get to a point where I could be helping out a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but uh, the more I think about it, there really is no point to where I I'd have to get to or a plateau I'd have to reach um, where I could start helping people. You know, yeah. you can help people in any way, shape or form you can, you can do what you have with what you can or what you can with what you have. Sorry. Yep. Yep. Um, and uh and so now I've really started to, um, especially with uh, everything that's going on now, mm-hmm. um, started to uh, really, really put the wheels in motion to, to, to get more uh, people of color and minorities into the sport. Um, and, and now that I've really started, I've realized that, hey, I not only volleyball, but I played hockey a really right. long time and I played lacrosse and I could. I could, it's not just about volleyball. So, no. um, I, want to, I want to branch it out into, um, a few other sports that haven't really been tapped into because just like with volleyball, when people told me, I, you know, there's no way black people don't play volleyball. People told right. me black people don't play lacrosse or hockey the same way. Um, and that always motivated me so yeah. much. I wish somebody would tell me that today. Right. <laughs> I, it's, it's weird that, that you think like that. I think yeah. like that, but, um, uh, it really, you know, pushed me into saying, Oh, you think so. Right. So, right. uh, I'll show, I'll show you. Right. Um, so I really want to, want to push it to those kids that, you know, yeah. you, you can do whatever you want. You yeah. can play whatever you sport, whatever yeah. sport you want. So the idea of making those sports accessible to everyone, I think is a really phenomenal idea. Cause it does seem like that's such a huge part of the disparity in these sports is that there are certain sports that are just not accessible to everyone in every uh, city in every area of every city in every neighborhood. And so the idea of making that accessible everywhere, I think is a phenomenal idea. And that's the way to put it right there is accessible. I, I don't want to push anyone 
into doing anything they don't, you know, they don't want sure. to do, yeah. or it doesn't, doesn't appeal to them. You know what I'm saying? But give them but the chance. I, I give them the option. Yeah. Let's give them the option. Let's, yeah. let's let them see it, you know? Yeah. So, so that, uh, they, uh, and not only let them see it, but let them see me doing, maybe not even me, you know, yeah. another, another, there are some female, uh, African-American, uh, AVP players, a couple, um, and let them see them totally, play, you know? So, uh, that's, that's my main goal and focus right now. Um, my career is going to be what it is. And, you yeah. know, I really appreciate, I'm very grateful for that, but it really, honestly, my, I have a huge, huge part of my energy right now is going toward that. So, um, yeah, we we have the wheels in motion already for uh, that to, to to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, I love that, man. Yeah. Well, you are you are one of the most uh, upbeat, encouraging, and uh, thoughtful people that that I've met. And um, thankful for you for your time today. I got to tell you, one of my great disappointments. Neither one of us have mentioned this, but the reason that we know one another is that you dated my sister, and I feel like yeah. that said. And one of my great disappointments is that we could have been brothers in law. And, uh, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know what happened, but I, I choose to blame her because I feel like it was, <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, but oh I'll, my goodness, I did. Thanks. Thanks for coming on and doing this. Yeah, man. I really appreciate you having me and, uh, uh your family as well is, is always near and dear to my heart. And, uh, I, I miss your mom and dad and your sister and your family and everyone and, and, and even Clyde. <laughs> oh yeah. My so, brother's yeah. dog. Uh, dog yeah. is insane. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but thanks for having me on, man. It's, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. And, and you know, best, best to you and, and all the things that you have coming up, man.